BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Cock and Kelly. Good Sunday morning to you. Welcome to Hancock and Kelly on Fox 2, where we take on the top issues of the week. On the right, John Hancock. Happy New Year. On the left, Michael Kelly. Oh, Happy New Year. I'm Andy Banker. On the agenda this morning, St. Louis reports major drops in crime across the board. So why are so many people just not buying it? Also, the latest push to remove President Trump, former President Trump, from the 2024 election ballots, and that move comes right next door in Illinois. President Biden says goodbye to Bidenomics and now warns of a dagger at the throat of democracy in his bid for re-election. And in our quote of the week, St. Louis's mayor puts her new mask mandate for city workers under further review. Sounds like the NFL. Also, the big ado about China buying up Missouri farmland, the big ado about Jeffrey Epstein and the court documents just released, and an election curveball. A longtime area Republican says he will not seek another term in Congress. We begin with St. Louis's mayor and police chief announcing huge drops in crime over the past year. Homicides down more than 20%, shootings down 24%, a 47% drop for juvenile shootings, auto thefts down nearly 20%, and burglaries, a 12% drop. You have to go back to 2024 to find a lower homicide rate in the city of St. or 2014 to find a lower homicide rate in the city of St. Louis. This reflects a nationwide trend with the nation's five largest cities, New York, LA, Chicago, Houston, and Phoenix, all reporting a double-digit drop in homicides. Critics here believe numbers are down because the short-staffed police department doesn't respond to as many calls anymore. It's so bad people quit calling police because police don't show up that often, or at least in a timely fashion. But aren't the numbers the numbers, John, especially violent crime? I mean, it's down. Why don't people just celebrate it? How do we know it's down? They're not releasing the raw crime statistics. Uh, every other city in the country is. Other cities in the St. Louis metropolitan are releasing uh, the point, the data point numbers on crime. The other thing that we've seen with the crime in St. Louis is that all of a sudden a whole bunch of these homicides have become justifiable homicides. They don't count uh, in terms of the number of homicides in the city. Uh, I think they're cooking the numbers. Uh, Professor Sandoval at St. Louis University can't get numbers out of them. The Post-Dispatch, uh, under Freedom of Information request, can't get numbers out of them. The, the real hard data, they've got it. Their machine, their system can produce it. So there must be a reason, Andy, why they're not sharing that raw crime data with people. I smell, well, something doesn't smell so good in Denmark here. I, I, I'm not buying it. What about you? Is the city getting safer? Uh, I don't know. That's to be seen. Uh, look, tra crime tra stats nationwide are going down. That's a good thing. And the fact that they're reporting crime numbers going down in the city of St. Louis, that's great. In fairness, there's only one direction they could have gone, which was down. We couldn't have gotten much worse. Uh, having said that, uh, I think the big skepticism comes from the fact, Andy, that's particularly from those of us who live in the city, is that raw feeling. Uh, we see less police officers on the street. Uh, we, we've all had incidents with our car where we call and phone it in, where there's not a human being to talk to. Whether or not that's getting counted, who knows. 
Um, so I think people are skeptical simply, simply because it doesn't feel like crime's going down. And as a city resident, that's how I feel. Yeah, I mean, one of the ways you track crime is incident reports, police incident reports. I think there's a lot of anecdotal evidence that in the city of St. Louis, every incident that gets covered doesn't get reported. And, you know, so it, it's hard I think for many of us to take great confidence in these numbers coming out of City Hall when they're, you know, I don't think they're, they're showing everything. And the biggest concern that I have is, I know we're all cheering this and we should be, the crime's going down, but we're at rock bottom in our, our crime problem in the city of St. Louis. I don't want us to do what we typically do, which is just put a Band-Aid on it and move on down the road. We have an opportunity to actually fix some things because it can't get any worse. Let's not do the typical St. Louis thing where we move on and it continues to get worse. Yeah, 158 homicides per year, still very, very high for a city the size of St. Louis. Missouri Governor Mike Parson set off a political fireworks uh, with an executive order initiating a partial ban on the sale of Missouri farmland to foreign adversaries. We are banning all purchases of Missouri agriculture land within 10 miles of critical military facilities by adversary nations, including China. We believe this order today sufficiently protects Missouri security interests and potential bad actors, while not punishing our allies for being good economic partners. This is a hot button issue in the 2024 election campaign, especially in the Republican race to succeed Parson as governor. A Republican incumbent there is not running for re-election. One candidate, State Senator Bill Eigel of St. Charles County, has come up with a new nickname for another candidate, the Lieutenant Governor Mike Kehoe. He now calls him Kung Pao Kehoe, claiming both Parson and Kehoe voted to allow foreign ownership of Missouri farmland when they were in the Missouri Senate. Michael, Democrat Trudy Bush Valentine made this a campaign issue when she ran against Senator Eric Schmidt. Should Missourians be worried about this? Well, I think we're putting the proper restrictions in, and this is a part of the consequences of having a free market society. People can come in and invest in your property. Uh, it's good that we're putting these provisions out there to keep them away from military bases, and China ought probably not be owning any of our real estate, but it is what it is. Uh, this is a Republican uh, firestorm, if you will, uh, trying to find ways to mess with each other. I'm thrilled that they're concerned about the influence of China, did, they, did Bill Eigel see that uh, Donald Trump got $10 million from the country of China as President of the United States? Will he be taking action on that as well? Is Eigel trying to uh, channel Trump with just making uh, more out of this? Than well, this is not a, this is not, it's not a new issue in Missouri politics. And for disclosure purposes, uh, my company is supporting Mike Kehoe for governor. Uh, but here's the... The history on this is there was a company called Smithfield Foods. It was an American-owned company, yeah. agribusiness, uh, largely into hog production. That company was purchased by a Chinese uh, conglomerate. And so by virtue of that fact, they were already here in Missouri operating. There's a lot of jobs tied to it. And what the legislature voted for, uh, Smithfield was already here. They voted to cap the amount of foreign-owned farmland at 1%, and that's the bill that Keogh and Mike Parson and Eric Schmidt and others voted for. It was actually limiting how much. So if you're going to talk about this issue, you need to inform people, and you need to do it in the right way, in the responsible way, and, and, uh, and I think this is a good decision by the governor. People on both sides of the aisle are calling on the state to take action against the owners of the Northview Nursing Home in St. Louis. It closed without warning last month. 
St. Louis police then issued an endangered silver advisory for one of the residents, 61-year-old Fred Carruthers, who suffers from schizophrenia and has been out on the street without his medication since December 15th. The other 174 residents, most with behavioral or dementia issues, were sent elsewhere late at night. That's when they closed. The staff of nearly 170 there has yet to be paid in full. The State Department of Health and Human Services, which oversees all of this, has so far taken no action against the owners. Healthcare Accounting Services, or HAS, of Brentwood, which still operates five other facilities in Missouri and St. Louis, I mean, and Illinois in the St. Louis area. The governor says only that this is under investigation. Is that good enough? Well, they need to figure that surely there's got to be some kind of prohibition against just closing a facility with hours notice. And then not tracking a, one of the former residents who is schizophrenia and turning them out on the street. Yeah, I mean, I think an investigation is definitely called for. And this is... Uh, but it's been it, three it, weeks and the guy's yeah. still out there. Is it enough to say, oh, we're investigating? Well, you know, at best, there's just gross negligence here. At worst, they've done something potentially criminal. And, uh, and I think, I mean, the investigations do take time. But they need to get to the bottom of it. Does this fall on the governor? Well, sure. I mean, that's the ultimate regulator of the nursing home industry in, in the state of Missouri. Uh, the city of St. Louis, heck, they can't pay the roads. They're not going to be able to figure this out. Uh, hopefully, uh, there's going to be attention brought to this. I'll tell you the quickest way to get to this. There's a lot of money in the nursing home business because it's reimbursement that comes from both the feds and the state. There's money interest behind this organization. Go after those people. We'll get to the bottom of what happened here and ensure this doesn't happen again. The 2024 elections just got even more interesting. Longtime Missouri Republican Congressman Blaine Luchtemeyer made a surprise announcement that he's not running for another term. In 15 plus years in Washington, Luchtemeyer has avoided the spotlight that others seem to seek out. I'm a guy that actually got some stuff done when I went to DC. You look at these other guys that are on TV, they're in the bottom 25 when it comes to being effective legislators. And so I went there to make a difference, not to raise hell. I want to do the, do the job. He represents Missouri's 3rd Congressional District, which stretches from Jefferson and St. Charles counties in our area, all the way around Jefferson City and much of the Lake of the Ozarks. He's been a champion of small business. Your thoughts on the Congressman, Michael? Also, a red seat is now open. Does this have any impact? Could it go blue? Well, when Blaine Luchtemeyer first went to Congress, I would have said he was one of the far-right members, and now he's kind of become one of the centrist members of the Republican Party because they've gone so far-right. I don't think he's leaving because he's afraid of a primary challenge or anything. I think he's done what he's wanted to do, and it's time to move on. Now the question is, who will succeed him? You've got two major population centers, the St. Louis, western St. Louis area, and then, of course, Columbia and Jefferson City. Who will have the political influence to win that seat? It could come from the St. Charles area. Unfortunately, most of the candidates that are being elected in the St. Charles area, I'm thinking of Bill Igel, Bob Onder, these are people who are MAGA extremists. Um, and that may be what winds up replacing uh, Blaine Luchtemeyer, and I don't see that as a victory for Missouri. What about the congressman? And any impact on the slim margin? Uh, well, the majority re that Republicans Republicans, have Republicans will hold the seat. It's going to be the wide open free for all primary. Uh, I find it really interesting. You know, Blaine's been. It's been discussed that Blaine might step down for years now. He was next in line to be the chairman of the Financial Services Committee in Washington, a very powerful committee. And I was somewhat surprised that he retired now uh, with that, you know, looming for him potentially. But I also get that that travel back and forth every week is a grind. 
15 years in his 16th year now, and it will be his last. Up next on Hancock and Kelly, President Biden's dagger talk. And President Trump, former President Trump, turns to the Supreme Court to keep his name on election ballots. Illinois may be next to take him off. Listen to the podcast. Just search for Hancock and Kelly. Yesterday was the third anniversary of supporters of former President Donald Trump rioting at the U.S. Capitol. A day earlier, President Biden made a speech about January 6th, which is now the top issue of his re-election campaign. Trump's mob wasn't a peaceful protest. It was a violent assault. He said President Trump and his supporters placed a dagger at the throat of democracy on January 6th, and the threat continues with Donald Trump now seeking re-election. President Biden said democracy was on the ballot this go-round. A new Biden campaign ad highlights that very fact or that claim by him, and it is a change in strategy from his focus on what he called Bidenomics. Now he's focusing on January 6th and what he calls MAGA extremists. Do they really hold a dagger at the throat of democracy? Is that on the ballot here, Michael? Yeah. Well, we all witnessed what happened three years ago when the former president riled up his folks to have an insurrection at the White House, I mean at the Capitol. Uh, Does anybody not believe he would do it again? He says he wants to suspend the Constitution. He wants to be a dictator. He wants to vindicate all of his enemies throughout the past. This man is not uh, somebody who cares about America. He cares about solely about Donald Trump. Fortunately, Joe Biden's putting the spotlight on the detriment that we almost went through three years ago, and we could be living again a year from now. Is democracy on the ballot? Democracy is always on the ballot, Andy. And the president never looked younger and more spray than he looked in that uh, address the other day. My heavens. Uh, look, there's a reason Joe Biden's not talking about the economy, because it's a loser for him. And he's got to do something that is very difficult for an incumbent president to do. He's got to make the, ref- the, uh, the election a referendum on his opponent. Uh, that's a tall order. That's not easily done in, in, pol- in political communication. But that's clearly what the Biden folks are focused on. I'm still not convinced he's going to be their nominee. But uh, I don't know that this approach is going to work. Donald Trump's supporters say Democrats actually hold a dagger to the throat of democracy by keeping people from even having a chance to vote for Donald Trump in 2024. That now includes some of you watching right now. Five voters filed a petition with the State Board of Elections in Illinois to keep Trump's name off state primary ballots, saying he is not eligible under the 14th Amendment's insurrection clause because he encouraged the January 6th Capitol riots. As of now, his name will not be on primary ballots in Maine and Colorado. The United States Supreme Court has just agreed to review the Colorado ban with arguments set for February 8th. Who's really holding the dagger here, John Hancock? Well, the Supreme Court's going to settle this question once and for all. Uh, It's never been uh, adjudicated before, whether the Section 3 of the 14th Amendment applies here. You know, Colorado says it does. Other states have said it doesn't. Now the Supreme Court's going to weigh in. I will be very surprised if the Supreme Court says that Donald Trump's name cannot appear on the ballot. Should people not even have the option of voting for Donald Trump? Is that democracy? Well, I mean, if he violated the law, then he shouldn't be on there, and that's what the Supreme Court's going to do. This Illinois thing is now just pile on the bunny. Uh, Really, this is all going to go to the Supreme Court. They're going to make a ruling. Donald Trump's Supreme Court, he's expecting them to stand up for him. What's interesting to me, Andy, is that when you listen to some of these legal scholars, they think there's significant weight behind this argument. He may be in trouble. 
Still to come on Hancock and Kelly, the mayor's about face on a new mask mandate. It's our quote of the week. And Jeffrey Epstein, the court documents revealed. Do they really tell us anything? The so-called Epstein lists are now becoming public. Jeffrey Epstein was a wealthy financier who allegedly killed himself in prison in 2019 while under investigation for recruiting girls to provide sexual services for his high-profile friends. Documents from a lawsuit against Epstein's accomplice, Elaine Maxwell, revealed names of those with connections to Epstein, from former presidents Clinton and Trump to Prince Andrew and multiple Hollywood stars. None is accused of any wrongdoing. John, any political or legal ramifications? Do we need to see more? Well, I'll tell you what surprised me in all of this. We learned that Jeffrey Epstein's airplane is the only plane in America that Michael Kelly has never flown on. <laughs> uh, so that, that was the big takeaway for me. You know, the people that associated with him after 2008 when he was convicted for inappropriate sexual activity with minors, I do think they've got some explaining to do. Do we need to see more? Or is this it? Well, might as well throw it all out there. There's two sexy of names. You've got two former presidents that are involved in it. More information is good. Sunlight, sunlight. Now to our quote of the week, the return of mask mandates to St. Louis lasted less than a day. With cases of COVID-19, flu, and RSV all spiking now, a masking mandate was issued for the city of St. Louis and its employees. Mayor Tashara Jones said the reason for that was because a healthy workforce is required to provide sufficient city services. Well, she rethought that and pulled back the mandate, saying in our quote of the week, our administration moved to a recommended, not mandated policy for masking upon further review. She did not say why, Michael. Should she because, say why? Because the health director put this out without her knowledge. Um, and that, I think, speaks to the bigger problem. Number one, we're going back in time to 2021. 2021, going to live through that again. We know better. We do better. This masking stuff, enough already. There's nobody in charge of the city of St. Louis. Nobody's keeping an eye on the store. But if you put it out there and you say, we have to have this to have a healthy city workforce to provide city services, and then in the same statement you say, yeah, but we don't have to have it really, doesn't that present a credibility issue should masking actually become needed again? Well, I don't think you need the masks to have a credibility issue at City Hall. Uh, you know, this is, I think they were waxing nostalgic, Andy, for the good old days of 2020 when we were shutting down businesses and making people wear masks. This was a really, really bad idea. And it is shocking to me that supposedly the mayor didn't know this was going out. How, do you, how are you running a city if the mayor doesn't know that their health director is putting a mask mandate in effect? That's, uh, that seems to be a bit ridiculous to me. Final thoughts are next. First, Bomberito.com drone fox over wonderful Lafayette Park in South St. Louis. Look at that, looking northeast toward the fabulous St. Louis skyline. Final thoughts, Michael Kelly. Well, Happy New Year to you and your family. Can you believe it's 2024? It's a presidential election cycle. It's gonna be crazy. Uh, keep your head about you. Don't get caught up in a lot of this nonsense that's about to go down. And pray for our democracy. I think it's truly gonna be tested. Johnny. Well, it's a new year. Uh, all kinds of bright possibilities out there, Andy. So much to look forward to. And if you're a political consultant like Michael and I, you love to see that even number year flips over. It means we might make a little money this year. Uh, but you think about all that lies ahead of us. We've got an election coming up for president of the United States. 
Five of the six statewide offices in Missouri are open. The U.S. Senate seat here. So much to look forward to. The Cardinals going to spring training in a little over a month to see if they can make things right in 2024. And who among us doesn't look forward to seeing who's going to be filling in for Michael Kelly when he's out of town uh, over the next, uh, I don't know, 10, 12 weeks on the calendar year of 2024. Count me among the many interested parties out there. Michael, have a good trip whenever <laughs> and wherever that's going to be. Uh, happy New Year to all of you. Andy, happy New Year to you. <clears throat> Thank you. There's so much you don't see when we're on the camera with John because he's talking about the election year and Michael's over here like, hey, 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 it's time to make Show money me for the us. Money. We need to make money. <laughs> Thanks for watching Hancock and Kelly. Download the show or any segments. Just search the words Hancock and Kelly. Fox News Sunday is next, and remember, if it's Sunday in St. Louis, it's Hancock and Kelly on Fox 2.